medicine for the treatment of advanced cancer is not covered by the Oregon Health Plan, but the plan does cover comfort and care for doctor-assisted suicide. We'll talk to an expert about it. And the state of California, already battling numerous wildfires, was hit by an earthquake today. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. If we don't get our health care costs under control, we're going to continue to lose jobs. And that's why we have to have universal, quality, affordable health care. It's a jobs issue as well as a health issue. All right, that's Hillary Clinton saying we've got to have universal, quality health care. Barack Obama has made a similar statement that we must have health care for everyone. But wait a minute, what would that health care look like? Breaking story today, state officials have offered a lung cancer patient the option of having the Oregon Health Plan set up in 1994 to ration health care to pay for assisted suicide, but not for the chemotherapy prescribed by her physician. So here's a woman. She's got cancer. Her physician prescribes a medicine, a chemotherapy, to help the cancer. And the state says, we will not pay for those drugs that chemotherapy, but we will pay to put you down like a dog. What do you think of that? We're going to talk about it in about five minutes. We want you to think about it. We want you to call in. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. But today, big news out in California, shake and bake, an earthquake and a fire. The Los Angeles area of California has been hit by a 5.8 scale quake. Here's Orange County resident Lisa Weller. The house was going up and down. It was definite wave action. We just could feel the house waving back and forth and back and forth, and glasses were tinkling on the wine rack, and it was a significant shake. Wow, I've never been through one of those. Here's someone else, Antoine Ibrahim. He said he felt the quake on the sixth floor of his office building in L.A. It was just two big, uh, I mean, shakes that didn't really roll at all. And then uh, from the, after those two big shakes, it just it, it started. We started going back and forth. I think this building that we're on is uh, on rollers. All right, and here's one other witness, Brian Bland. He's a California resident in Santa Monica. He said this tremor got his attention. Nothing fell off the walls. No uh, teacups came flying out of the cupboard. But that uh, 
nevertheless, because of the way this particular tremor built and in its energy, and then you could feel the rolling, it's still uh, the kind of thing that makes you duck and cover a little bit. All right, so we got a big tremor out in California, and the epicenter was Chino Hills. It's about 30 miles from L.A. Here's the fire chief, Paul Benson, on Fox News. As of yet, we've had no reports of any injuries or any significant damage, um, mostly just stuff falling off shelves and um, that type of, uh, of occurrences. Uh, it was a pretty sharp jolt to begin with, and it lasted maybe 8 or 10 seconds uh, we immediately moved all of our fire apparatuses as protocol force out of the fire stations to ensure their ability to respond, surveyed our stuff, and we're working with both cities that we provide uh, fire and EMS coverage for now to uh, ensure that everything's okay in the cities. All right, that's the fire chief from Chino Hills, California. Again, um, in just a few moments, we're going to be talking about the state of Oregon offering to assist in a suicide, but not offering to provide the prescribed drugs to help a cancer patient. But I said it was shake and bake today in California. California firefighters continue to battle a wildfire. It's raging outside of Yosemite National Park. Here's AP correspondent Haven Daly. They have shut down Highway 140, which is one of the main entrances into Yosemite National Park. I'm actually on Highway 140 right now in the town of Mariposa. The flames are actually burning right up to the highway. All right, so you've got an earthquake, and you've got a fire. What is the Christian worldview on something like this? Well, let me just say quickly, ever since Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3, we read in verse 17, God saying to Adam, Because you sinned, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Uh, He said there is a curse upon the earth. If you slip over to Romans chapter 8, we are told that the whole creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the redemption of the sons of God. There is a picture in Romans 8 that not only we are going to be saved, finally, ultimately, when Christ returns, but the world is going to be saved. Maybe you saw today Nancy Pelosi saying, I'm trying to save the planet. Well, I got news for Mrs. Pelosi. She cannot save the planet. Only Jesus Christ, when he returns, will save this planet, renew it, remake it, and will live in that millennium. We're going to have a new heavens and a new earth after that. It's a great picture in the book of Revelation. In fact, look at those last two or three chapters of Revelation, and you'll see the new heaven, the new earth, no more curse, no crying, no dying. Until that time, this earth is a fallen place. Not only are human beings fallen, but this earth is a fallen place. We're going to have these earthquakes. We're going to have these wildfires. Christians have a framework to understand these kinds of disasters. But really, the breaking story today, and we've got to talk about this, uh, because everybody's promising universal health care. Here's Barack Obama. We've got more work to do to make sure that every single American has decent, affordable, quality health care in this country. We can do it by the end of the next president's first term. All right. Something we can talk about later is the fact that Obama is proposing health care for illegal aliens, perhaps 20 to 30 million. To me, that is fascinating, but also frightening. But what kind of health care? There is a state, the state of Oregon, that has a kind of a socialized health care. And there's a major story out today about a woman named Barbara Wagner. She's been in remission for lung cancer. It's come back. She went to her physician 
they prescribed a kind of chemotherapy, a drug. She applied to the state's social health care system. She got a letter back saying, we will not pay for this chemotherapy drug, but we will pay to have you euthanized. Boy, that would make your day, wouldn't it? I want to know what you think about this. 800-881-9270. Is this what we're going to have with government-run health care? we got Frank who's been holding. Frank, thank you for calling. What's your reaction to this story, Frank? Well, thanks for taking my call. I, I guess I'm not surprised at it when any time government is involved. I guess it very much disturbs me that a governmental entity can decide what treatment's covered and what isn't. This is, to me, just a small omen of the large uh, earthquake that's coming with any kind of government spunk, anything. I mean, take it to the next level, Jerry. If you have a, a pregnant woman and the government decides that the child isn't viable, they'll pay for an abortion, but they won't pay for a normal pregnancy. I mean, this is the kind of thing that... And, Frank, let's talk about this, uh, the amniocentesis, the test, which right now insurance companies are pushing like crazy because they want you to see if that unborn child is going to have a disability, a handicap. They're going to pressure you to abort that child because the insurance companies do not want to have to pay for the health care cost of a disabled child. Uh, Do you think there's a possibility, Frank, that, you know, if the government gets in this business, they'll say, hey, we'll pay for the abortion... We won't pay for this child and his or her disabilities. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Where is this woman's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness with government involved in anything? It's really frightening. All right. Thank you so much, Frank. We are talking about Barbara Wagner of Oregon. Again, the state of Oregon set up a health care plan in 1994 to ration health care, and it pays... Normally for medicines, but here's this woman who's got lung cancer, and her doctor prescribes a drug. It's called Tarkiva, and she applies for it. She gets a letter back in the mail saying, we will not pay for this drug, but we will pay for you to have physician-assisted suicide. Well, where's the sanctity of human life in that? We've got Regina on the line from Dallas. Regina, what do you make of this story? Uh, well, number one, it's a shame. I said shame on the state of Oregon. Hmm. And number two, unfortunately, uh, Ms. Wagon's case is just one out of a million. This is happening every day. I'm a registered nurse by profession. And... You you wait a minute, Regina. You say you're a registered nurse. Yes, sir. Wow. And so, um, you say shame on Oregon for this. Yeah, shame on the state of Oregon that they can put somebody to death. They pay for that, but they will not pay for chemotherapy. My question would be to the governor of Oregon. What's your question? My question would be for him. Does he want to be put to death? If he has cancer. Yes. Oh, yeah, does he? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Does he want to be put to death if he has cancer? I guess you'd be talking to Dr. John Satinspiel. He said, quote, We had no intent to upset her, but we do need to point out the options available to her under the Oregon Health Care Plan. One option not available, the drug. One option available, uh, physician-assisted suicide, put her down, 
euthanasia. Looks like we've got another nurse on the line. We've got Lisa calling in. Lisa, thank you for calling and holding. What's your take as a nurse on this story? Okay, this is my take. I've, I have been in the nursing field for over 30 years, and I have seen a lot of therapies come and go. A lot of therapies come and say, oh, this is going to be great, this is going to be good. But unforeseen, down the road, it was not a good situation. Now, I think that, to be fair, we need to look at the therapy, the chemotherapy that she's asking for, filing for, does it actually work, number one. Well, I think that's an important question, Lisa. But let's let's deal with that real quickly. Okay. Evidently, you know, it's going to cost three to four thousand a month, and that's pretty expensive for the state. And they say, all right, uh, we can't pay for that. But evidently, the drug company said, wait a minute. Even though the state's not going to do this, we believe in this enough. We're going to step in. We're going to provide this for at least a year or two. So at least they believe it's a viable treatment. What do you think of that? Well, this is what I think about this. I have known a lot of stuff about drug uh, trials. And the problem with that is it's not evidence-based and it's not unbiased. If the company is saying, oh, yeah, we're doing this, and they're going to give her the drug free of charge for a year, they are hoping possibly to get get some gain from this in the way of an anecdotal, well, Ms. Well, I don't think, I've, you know, I've read this literature. I've got about four or five articles here, different lengths, some long, some short. And I've not seen anyone say that this is uh, some kind of a trial or a test for the drug. Uh, everything okay. I'm, re- everything well, I'm reading you. says that this is, this is a uh, expected drug, a typical drug, runs three or $4,000 a month for this chemotherapy. So I don't really think, and by the way, it was the doctor, the woman's doctor, uh, the oncologist who prescribed this drug. So I don't think this uh, experimental argument really obtains, I think. Okay, okay that's fine. That's All right, hang fine. on the line. We're up on a hard break, Lisa. When we come back, I want to hear more from Lisa. Lisa, if you can hold, we'll come back to you. She's a nurse. She thinks there's more to this story than is being presented. Perhaps so. We'll keep looking at it, talking about it. Again, the breaking story, a woman in Oregon. On the Oregon healthcare system is prescribed medication by our doctor for cancer. The state of Oregon says we'll not pay for that medicine. We will pay to have you euthanized, assisted suicide, put down. What do you think of that? 800-881-9270. We have a medical ethics expert coming up in about 15 minutes, but your chance to weigh in before he arrives. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. I'll be right back. I've got a full-time job and a family, and I'm also getting a master's degree at Criswell College. The new Mac at Night program offers evening block courses for a Master of Arts in Counseling degree. It's so convenient and fits my busy lifestyle as a mom and a professional. Mac at Night offers licensure and non-licensure programs so you can gain ministry knowledge and even prepare for a doctorate. Mac at Night professors are at the top of the Christian counseling field. And Criswell College is partnered with a number of ministries, so you'll get experience and great contacts. My friends and family are so excited to see me back in school with the Mac at Night program at Criswell College. A Master of Arts in Counseling has never been so convenient. Come on, join me for Mac at Night. For more details, call 800-899-0012 or visit criswell.edu. 
Invest in God's kingdom and in yourself through the Chriswell College. See us on the web at chriswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Well, I can tell you, you can have a British healthcare system if you're willing to pay the level of taxation that it costs. You can have a British healthcare system if you take away choice from the individuals and you have to go to set doctors in set times. You can have a British healthcare system if you're willing to accept the delays. All right, that's Dr. E. David Cook of Green College, Oxford University, leading medical ethicist in England, in the U.K., also in the United States. He says, watch out for government-run health care. Well, I think Barbara Wagner would agree. This woman in Oregon has lung cancer. Her doctor prescribes a drug. She applies to the state health care system for that drug. They say, no, we will not cover this drug. We will pay, though, for physician-assisted suicide. We'll pay to put you down. We've got Lisa on the line, who is a nurse, who thinks maybe there's more to this story than meets the eye. Lisa, thank you for holding. Again, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are this. It sounds so very cold-hearted for any governmental agency to say, oh, well, we're not going to pay for anything that's going to help you, but we will pay for you to just get out of the picture and take your troubles with you. And I just don't believe that it's, it's as cut and dried as that. Lisa, now, I will tell you that with any government-applied program, whether it's Medicaid or Medicare, there are certain federal requirements. There are certain state requirements. And, yes, there are things they will pay for and things they won't. Now, But should they pay? Here's the question. Should the state ever pay for euthanasia, in your view? Should the state pay for active euthanasia? Well, it's very easy to say no, they shouldn't. Ah, That's my position. They never pay for that unless you have been the one there by the side of this person who is suffering so terribly, and the drugs that we have at our disposal will not contain the pain. See, now, I don't agree with that, Lisa. I have been, I've been at the bedside. And they are so much in pain and writhing, and they just cannot make it. They can knock people out, though, Lisa. You know that with drugs. You can well, allow them to then, sleep. Then you cannot. Then we come to another ethics crisis because the, the amount of drugs sometimes that it takes for people who have that kind of extensive pain is enough drug to stop their breathing. Sometimes it is, but not necessarily so. That's the principle of double effect. We've talked about it on the show before, the Catholic uh, idea of double effect. But isn't it preferable to give those higher doses of pain, palliative care, medication, and knowing that it may hasten death? That's really different, though, but than saying, all right, at this moment, at this hour, at this day, we are going to kill this person. Isn't there a difference, an ethics difference for you in those two equations? I, I can't answer that because I'm not the person on the bed writhing in pain. Yeah. That can't be that can't be fixed. It it can't be alleviated. And okay. so I think that it's kind of presumptuous of us who don't have to face those circumstances to say, "Oh, this is wrong." 
Let me ask you this, Lisa. Do you think that do you think that uh, people hearing you as a nurse talk this way? Uh, do you think? I mean, this is changing the way. It, in my view, this is what is so wrong with a physician-assisted suicide. It has taken doctors out of the healing business, put them also at the same time in the killing business. It's put nurses in the killing business. Now it's put the state in the killing business. Do you see that it, that changes the nature of medicine from the old Hippocratic Oath, which says, hey, at no time would we be a part of killing. Now it's it accepted. Well, what did, it say? It say what did it say? It says do no harm. And it says more than that. But from conception onward, what does it say? It says do no harm. Now, it's not just do no harm, but that you, would, that you would not take a human life. We'll get the old Hippocratic Oath. Larry, let's look that up here in the break. Google that. We'll get it out and read it in a few minutes. Uh, doctors don't take that oath anymore, but it was certain. And it's one reason they don't take it. It's because now medicine is different. And I'm just saying, Lisa, I'm fearful when doctors and nurses and the government are not just now in the healing business, but in the killing business. I think it changes medicine. But I want to thank you for your call. Well, these these are thoughtful observations. We've got people holding. We need to move on. Uh, let's go on, folks. Again, the story today, uh, a woman in Oregon, Barbara Wagner, uh, she has lung cancer. Her doctor, her doctor prescribed a chemotherapy. But the state says we're not going to cover it under the Oregon health care system. But we will cover euthanasia. We will cover physician-assisted suicide. Is this the changing face of health care? If we get universal health care in America, is this what we'll be seeing all across America as the government says we can pay for this, we can't pay for that, and certainly we can pay for euthanasia because that's the most cost-effective um, decision at this time. We've got Benji on the line. Benji, thank you for calling, for holding. Uh, do you agree with Lisa? What's your view? Well, I was just wanting to say that uh, when you previous nurse had said that she wanted to ask the governor of Oregon if he was willing to abide by the, those rules, <laughs> what typically you find in that kind of situation is, you know, what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander. Right. Whoever makes those laws take themselves out of the uh, out of the equation and they operate they're able to operate under a completely different set of guidelines and they can have any kind of health care that they want but they hey, won't let anybody that they're quote-unquote governing uh have that opportunity well look benji you're right you know the senate and the congress have different retirement programs than the rest of the american people under social security the senate and the congress have different health care programs than the rest of the country has and that you're right they don't like <laughs> They don't like I, the programs. You know, they want to push I, on everybody else. I think that it's, you know, uh, it's all about power, uh, and it's all about control. And, uh, you know, the people that are pushing this agenda, you know, it's straight out of Karl Marx and, and the Communist Manifesto. Uh, it's all about control and socializing uh, society so that, that the government has all the control and all, all of the uh, uh, ability to, to, to manipulate uh, society, um, and and that's going to destroy our society if we don't wake up. All right, thank you so much for ben- Benji for that call, folks. Again, the breaking story today: cancer patient Barbara Wagner told that uh, the state of Oregon will be happy to euthanize her, happy to put her down, happy to pay her doctor to kill her, but not happy to pay the. 
chemotherapy bill that her doctor prescribed that would be covered under the Oregon Health Care Program if they would approve it. Well, we've got James on the line. Thank you for calling back, James. Uh, what's your view? Dr. Johnson, I just wonder how the state of Oregon treats their criminals. I wonder if they have a death row up there or uh, if they, of course, they, they probably don't do that up there. Uh, this lady, maybe she ought to go murder somebody and then they'd keep her alive for the rest of her life as long as they possibly could. Well, James, I think what you're talking about is how um, everything is turned upside down today. Everything that ought to be standing one way is standing the other way. And uh, this is a mixed up, mex- messed up world. And I'll just make a couple of observations here. Look. This is a classic example where doctors should be able to make health care decisions. The woman's doctor prescribed the medicine. Some bureaucrat up in Portland should not be making a decision that overturns the doctor's decision. But I'm going to tell you, if you get government-run health care, you're going to have that again and again. Doctors being overruled by the bureaucrats. Is that what you want? Well, that's Hillary Care. That's Obamacare. And that is... Universal health care. Here's another observation I would make. Now, I know we don't like uh, sometimes the pharmaceutical companies. I know sometimes we we think that uh, uh, the medical community is uh, overcharging. But look at this. It was the government who said, we will not provide the medication. And it was the pharmaceutical company who came in and said, actually, even though the government's not going to cover it, we will pay for this medication for a year or two. This is an example of the private sector acting with compassion and with care and government using some utilitarian kind of equation. The greatest good for the greatest number says, oh, we can't afford uh, these kinds of medicines for people who will be dead in two to three years. Well, I don't like it at all. What do you think? The number is 800-881-9270. we got David on the line from Kaufman. David, thank you for holding. What's your take on this? Uh, I just want to say I believe we give too much control on the government. Um, no, on government, on anything to do with health care. Um, as far as Oregon goes, with um, it cost me the last time I put an animal to sleep was like $20. What does it cost to put a human to sleep as opposed to actually giving them what their doctors believe that they should have? Yeah, well, we know this. These... Um these chemotherapy drugs, um, they are running uh, three to four thousand dollars per month, and um, these uh, euthanasia procedures, you know, couldn't cost, you know, more than one, two, three hundred dollars. I probably they cost a lot more than that. I'm sure they bill them a lot of money for killing people, but uh, it's weird. All right, we got Derek on the line. Derek, we've got just about a minute here. What's your view? Well, I just wanted. To comment uh, to find out if you knew where this lady Lisa was a nurse at. Uh, I'm not really interested in being treated by her <laughs> if she holds that view. Um, but with the, in regard to what happened in Oregon, um, I just I think this. I believe totally in the sovereignty of God, and I'm not trying to minimize anyone's pain. I'm not trying to minimize anyone's hurt. Uh, God has decided to allow this lady to go through what she's going through. Uh, I personally have uh, experienced the, the death of a father due to cancer. My mom is currently battling cancer, and I see this pain on a regular basis. And I just have committed this to my Lord and Savior. My mom and my dad both committed this to their Lord and Savior. Hey, Derek, we're out of time, but that's a yes, good sir. testimony. I want to thank you for that testimony and for that good word. When we come back, 
we will talk to a leading ethicist and author, Wesley Smith, about this woman who could not get cancer treatment, but the state is offering to kill her out in Oregon. What do you think of it? You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. We've got more work to do to make sure that every single American has decent, affordable, quality health care in this country. We can do it by the end of the next president's first term. Well, that's Barack Obama promising universal health care for every American. And by the way, also for illegal aliens. We'll talk about that another time. But is universal health care, government-run health care, a good thing? Are there really problems endemic to that approach? You know, Oregon has a health care plan, and we're talking today about a story out of Oregon. This woman, her name, Barbara Wagner, was in remission for lung cancer. It came back. Her doctor prescribed a drug. She applied to the state health care system to get payment for the drug. They said, no, we won't pay for that drug that your doctor asked for, but we will put you down We will euthanize you. We'll pay for that physician-assisted suicide. Folks, what do you think of this? With us to talk about it, a leading writer on medical ethics, Dr. Wesley Smith. He's written the book, Culture of Death, The Assault on Medical Ethics in America. He's also written a book called Forced Exit, Euthanasia, Assisted Suicide, and the New Duty to Die. Dr. Smith, thank you for being with us. And welcome back. What do you make of this story out in Oregon? Good afternoon, and uh, you've given me a promotion. I'm not actually a doctor. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> well, J.D. So call me Wesley. Um, this is uh, not, the, the, not the last circumstance. There was a, a case just announced today of a fellow who had the return of prostate cancer and wanted chemotherapy to help extend his life. He received a letter from the administrator of the Medicaid program in Oregon saying, well, we won't pay for your chemotherapy, but we will pay for your assisted suicide. Wow. So this is something that... It's a uh, policy, not an isolated incident. No, that's correct. And, and the reason is Medicaid, which is the uh, health insurance for the poor in uh, Oregon, rations, specifically rations health care. It's the only state in the country, I believe, that does have an explicit health care rationing plan. And the way it works is uh, they listed uh, 700 or so, 750 different treatments for different ailments. And depending on the amount of money that they have to spend on, on health care for the poor, uh, they will set the line. So let's say one year at 650. Any health, uh, health uh, treatment above number 650 will not be covered by Medicaid. And these, uh, these lower or higher level numbers uh, are based on, you know, like quality of life issues, how likely you are to, to be uh, cured, this kind of thing. But if it's beneath that number, we'll just say 650, then it is covered. Well, what they found is that there are a lot of cancer patients who find themselves on the wrong end of that divide, but assisted suicide is always covered. They call it comfort care. <laughs> And so you can see where the, the force of gravity takes people. I mean, if you, can you imagine if you were told that uh, you have a terminal condition, but we can help extend your life with this round of chemo, and the state said, sorry, you're not worth paying for, 
you'd want to commit suicide. Mm. Let me ask you this. You talked briefly about quality, quality of adjusted life years, that concept. Yep. I read some uh, research today on all of this, and uh, government officials were openly talking about the greatest good for the greatest number. I'd like for you just historically to talk about the danger of the medical community using that kind of rhetoric, the greatest good for the greatest number. What's the philosophical basis for that? What will be the practical outcome of that? Well, you get right back to eugenics, don't you? Yes. Uh, the eugenics movement uh, uh, started in the uh, uh, middle of the late part of the 19th century. A, a fellow named uh, Francis Galton, who was the uh, cousin of Charles Darwin, uh, took his cousin's theories and uh, some of the work on genetics that Mendel was doing on the peapods and so forth, and he decided that uh, we should create categories of human life and treat them like, uh, like animal husbandry, treat us like animal husbandry. So he divided the human race between the fit, the so-called fit, and the so-called unfit. And he wanted to uh, promote the uh, bounteous procreation and marriages of the fit. And uh, this is called positive eugenics. And he even uh, envisioned this contest where the... Uh, were uh, young men and young women who, uh, you know, were blonde and blue-eyed, looked like him, of course, um, would uh, would be matched uh, and have a mass marriage at Westminster Abbey and then be given 5,000 pounds, and that's when 5,000 pounds is a lot of money, and encouraged to have very big families. Well, this concept took off in America when a fellow named Charles Davenport, who I consider one of the great villains in American history, uh, with money from the Carnegie Institute Foundation, set up a, a eugenics institute at Cold Spring Harbor, New York, and he uh, helped create something called negative eugenics that said, well, you know, we'll never get enough of the right people to procreate, so we've got to stop the wrong people from cro- procreating altogether. And that led to mandatory uh, involuntary sterilization laws in which in the United States of America, 60 to 70,000 Americans were sterilized against wow. their will for having done nothing wrong. And this was approved by the United States Supreme Court in Buck v. Bell, 1927. Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote a a decision that has to go down in infamy with uh, uh, the Dred Scott decision and and Chief Justice Taney. It's a sad chapter in our history. uh, Terrible. And he said three generations of imbeciles is enough and allowed a woman named Carrie Buck Mm. to be sterilized. Her, Her problem She'd had a child out of wedlock after being raped by a foster uh, family member when she was the daughter of a prostitute. So the eugenicist said, ah, she's one of the unfit. And the government of the United States, the Supreme Court, allowed her to be sterilized against her will in a terrible decision. And then that was taken by the German government when Chancellor Hitler took over. And our, uh, uh, in fact, California's eugenics law was used as a basis for the Nuremberg Laws for sterilization in Germany, mass sterilization, which, of course, eventually led to mass murder of, of um, disabled babies and other disabled people. T1 or T4 project. Well, let me ask you this question, because you're getting at it there. Uh, we had a nurse on earlier, and we were, had a little argument about the Hippocratic Oath. I've got the original right here. She said, well, it just said do no harm. But I'm reading now from the Hippocratic Oath. I will not give a lethal drug to anyone if I'm asked, nor will I advise such a plan. And the old oath would forbid physician-assisted suicide in that regard. Oh, let, me, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Uh, when the state and the doctors and the nurses 
get in the killing business as well as the healing business, does this fundamentally change medicine as you see it? Oh, absolutely, because uh, you get to a situation where the concept of do no harm is turned on its head, and sometimes a life is considered a harm. You saw that in the Terry Schiavo case. Wow where a lot of uh, uh, bioethicists were saying, well, of course, she should be dehydrated to death because she's no longer a person. That is, she, her cognitive incapacity was such that her quality of life was so low that a lot of uh, people were arguing that she should be allowed to be dehydrated to death. And, and Dr. It even gets worse. Um, if you, uh, I had a debate on Court TV. Uh, it was an online debate, not a television debate in which I asked one of the bioethicists who was involved in the case, at least in terms of uh, commenting in the, in the media, a fellow named Bill Allen, I said, well, let's get to the chase. Do you think Terry Schiavo is a person? He said, no, I don't, because wow. of incapacity. I said, does that mean we should be able to take her organs instead of dehydrating her to death? And he said, yes. Wow. And what you see in some of the most prestigious medical and, and bioethical journals in the world today, doctor, is the concept of using people who are cognitively devastated like Terry Schiavo was as sources of organs and as subjects for medical experimentation precisely because we are dehumanizing some among us and returning to those old ideals, ideas, I would I'd say ideals, but it's an anti-ideal, of eugenics in which some lives are, de- are deemed disposable and, uh, for the benefit of other lives. We're going right back to that same situation again. Again, our guest, Wesley Smith, he's written the book, Culture of Death, The Assault on Medical Ethics in America. Wesley, I want to thank you for being with us. We're going to continue to watch these developments. Again, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. All right, folks, let's go back to the lines. We've got people calling in. You can call in 800-881-9270, Jeff is on the line. Jeff, you've been holding. What's your view on this case? Well, uh, <clears throat> I think it would be uh, uh, very interesting if doctors would consider life so valuable that they would charge, say, $100 million to kill somebody. I guarantee you if they did that, the insurance companies would stop paying that kind yeah, of what's the going price for a hitman out there? Exactly. I've wondered that. <laughs> you probably do it cheaper <laughs> out exactly. of somewhere now, else. I, I'm actually in favor of, of no health insurance. And I know that may sound a bit harsh, but uh, from, from a secular point of view, I think that it takes uh, uh, what, what should be a natural economy and, and makes it very unnatural. Well, you are right. Uh, we were all doing a lot better on health care in the 60s, in the 70s, when folks did not. Uh, I've looked at the bill for my birth in 1964, and I think my parents paid $25 or $200. And uh, the <laughs> the local doctor just sent you a bill, and you paid the bill. You might have paid it over time, but uh, you get what you pay for without all these middlemen. But do we really want the government to be that middleman? I think that's the danger, Jeff. Let's go to the next caller. That's Faye. Faye, thank you for holding. Faye, what's your view on this story? What's my view on the story is that we don't need government health care. And I've been a nurse for 20 years, and I have been at the bedside of two of my sisters, two of my brothers, and my dear mother, and I would never consider killing them. Nurse Faye, I would rather be with you uh, than the other nurse earlier. She may be really nice, but I think uh, she is confused and beginning to accept and to justify 
uh, physician-assisted suicide. Doctors should not kill. Nurses should not kill. The state should not kill. We want your view. 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. We'll take your calls when we come back. It's Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. I'll be right back. Criswell College is proud to present the new Mac at Night program. It's a Master of Arts in Counseling degree obtained by attending evening block classes. There are licensure and non-licensure options depending on your career goals. Mac at Night features some of the best professors in the field of Christian counseling, and all courses are biblically based. Expand your ministry or prepare for a doctorate. Criswell College makes it simple and convenient. All Mac at Night courses are scheduled with the working professional in mind. If you've got a full-time job, a busy lifestyle, or even raising a family, you're perfect for Mac at Night. Get your Master of Arts in Counseling at Criswell College with Mac at Night. Call 800-899-0012 or go to criswell.edu. That's 800-899-0012 or criswell.edu. Invest in God's work and yourself through this convenient program through the Criswell College. It's Mac at Night. See criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. We've got more work to do to make sure that every single American has decent, affordable, quality health care in this country. We can do it by the end of the next president's first term. Obama's running for president. He's promising government-run universal health care. Is that a good thing? I want you to listen to Amy Ridenour. She's from the National Center for Public Policy Research. I happen to know something about universal health care and how it's been applied in Canada and Britain and France and Sweden and so forth, and it kills people. It kills people. Government-run health care kills people. Well, that's in Oregon today the case because we have Barbara Wagner. She's got lung cancer. Her doctor prescribes a chemotherapy treatment, pills, uh, drugs. She applies to the Oregon State Medical Care Program, and they say, no, we will not pay for those drugs, but we will pay to put you down. We will pay to euthanize you. We will pay for physician-assisted suicide. That is the treatment we will purchase for you. A deadly health care system indeed. What do you make of this story? We've got Catherine on the line. Catherine, what's your reaction to this story? Catherine, are you there? Catherine, you're on the air. Well, we'll have to move on to Tommy, I think. Tommy's been holding. Tommy, thank you for calling. What's your view on this story? Well, I, I firmly disagree with euthanasia. It's murder. To, there's no other way of calling it anything else. But what I, I had a question that you may have an answer to. Has there ever been a time where a government-run uh or where a government has stepped in and through a state-run health care system shut down euthanasia? Well, I know this. The Germans will not allow any, any form of physician-assisted suicide. And I think, Tommy, that's because someone said, let the German conscience be your guide. They know the slippery slope. It's steep. It's well-greased. Once doctors, once nurses, once the government is out of the healing business, and you've got doctors and nurses in the killing business, that there's new, greater justification for every step. 
That's how the Hitler program started, the T1 or T4 campaign it was called. First it was sterilization, then euthanasia for the terminally ill, then for the retarded, finally to racial genocide. The Germans had a phrase, Leben zus vertus Leben, life unworthy of living. Puts the government in the business of valuing human life. So to answer your question, right now the Germans will not allow any form of physician-assisted suicide. So there, I mean, that makes it sound like there may be hope for a state-run health care system. Well, correctly. Well, I, you know, unfortunately, uh, the rest of Europe is not following the German model. You've got uh, over in the Netherlands, you've got the Dutch. They've got physician-assisted suicide. Now, what's happened there? Very interesting. In the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, a major study showing that in Holland, in the Netherlands. When voluntary euthanasia was legalized, involuntary rose significantly. That is, when patients were able to say to their doctor, would you please help me kill myself? And that's legal. When that is legalized, what happened at the same time was involuntary euthanasia increased by the thousands. That is, once doctors get used to killing and they think that they are killers as well as healers, they begin to make the decisions without a patient or a family member telling them they want to be killed. Well, we've got to move on. We've got Nancy on the line. Thank you, Tommy, for calling. Let's move on to Nancy. Nancy, what's your view on this story? Well, I, I keep hearing people uh, kind of relating this to uh, whether or not the government has control over the insurance or not. And this has been going on, the killing... Well, I'm going to say killing. I'm, the euthanasia has been going on in Texas, in the Dallas area. Oh yes. You know, for I've been in nursing for over 30 years. How do you feel about it? This has been going on. The doctors have been deciding whether or not a person is viable, or whether or not their quality of life is going to be good, according to their standards. And they've been doing what they call, and this may be a new term, they don't call it euthanasia and have never. They call it a slow code, C-O-D-E. Oh, yeah, that's uh, do not respond. Do not yeah. don't show up if the buzzer goes off. Let's take a while to get down to that room. And they go down to the room, but they do things in such a slow manner. You know, oops, this is not available. Let's go back, call the pharmacy, can't seem to dial the numbers in correctly. Uh, but uh, Nancy Lowell, let me ask you though, because I have concerns about that policy and how it may be practiced. But I do think there is a difference between letting die and physician-assisted suicide. Uh, do you do you think that there certainly should be a line? No, there's no difference because that what's happening is that if the patient has told the doctors that they want to die in the hospital or they no longer right. want to deal, live. They make them slow codes. If they, they're they not allowed to go to their doctor, you can't just go to a doctor and say, I want to pass away. I don't want to live from this cancer. And they'll say, okay, go get this prescription filled and you'll die. But there's other things that you can ask them and other ways you can put it to where that um, they will do it anyway. So I don't think there's any difference whether they do it in the hospital or and what they call it. I think that no Nancy, matter we're how, running out of time. I've got to let you go, but thank you for calling. We've got we've got other people holding, and Preston here. We just can't put you on today, but I hope you'll call back on another day. But I do want to say, uh, what's happening in Oregon 
is not what we call passive euthanasia, letting someone die, the slow code, the do not respond, the do not resuscitate. Well, we're talking about in Oregon, and by the way, I have concerns about some of that, but what we're talking about in Oregon is far different, and that is physician-assisted suicide. You go to the physician, he writes a lethal prescription. And contrary to what our nurse earlier in the program said, the old Hippocratic Oath would forbid this. Again, I read, I will not give a lethal drug to anyone if I'm asked, nor will I advise such a plan. And when we threw out that code, and now nurses and doctors and the state are not just healers, but killers in health care, I believe it fundamentally changes medicine. Well, what's the Christian worldview on this? Quickly, Genesis 1.26, we were all created in God's image. Every human life is special, sacred, it images God, and it should be protected, not taken with premeditation. You slip up to Exodus uh, then 20, thou shalt not kill. Part of the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. Look, the prima facie standing ethical command when it comes to human life is Thou shalt not kill. You've got to have a pretty high threshold convincing case to get out of that command. And the only two I see in the Bible are just war and capital punishment. There's no place for physician-assisted suicide in the Bible. I do think we should let the German conscience be our guide. They went down this road. It was horrific and horrible and terrible. And I am concerned that Nationalized health care, Hillary care, Obamacare, will put the government in the business of saying who's fit to live, who's fit to die. The greatest good for the greatest number means you don't get the chemotherapy, but we will put you down like a dog at the vet. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.